this chapter 23 today. It's been fun for me, at least, uh, studying to take and to force yourself to slow down through the book of Exodus. Because a lot of times there's, there's certain books that it just there's a real temptation to just kind of read them fast, you know, get through it. Matter of fact, I was reading a, or I was listening to a sermon, and a, the guy got to this portion, and he was bragging about how other parts of the Bible he likes to stop and slow down and see things, and he basically saying, "I just want to get through this." But I would tell you this: this is rich if you'll slow down and look at it, and then not only take and understand it in the context in which it is written. Of course, we need to do that to understand it, but to make application to our lives at present. A lot of times we take and we say, well, this is the nation of Israel. Well, no, you've got to remember that the Bible says that the nation of Israel is our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ. And so, if you will, a proper understanding, a proper relationship of who Christ is and, and, and what he is to us and what he does for us, if you will, can only re really be known by going back and seeing what he did with the children of God in the wilderness. Amen. And so, um, uh, uh, even this portion of scripture doesn't really seem to fit in this chapter. To be quite honest with you, I think that this chapter, at least we're going to start in verse 20. Go down to verse 20, because that's where we're going to start. Um, Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, really ought to be with chapter 24. Because what's going on here is it's talking about the leadership of the church now. Because so far what he's talked about, He's talked about, if you will, the fact that God has delivered them as a nation from Egypt, okay? He's given them their necessary food and water, so he's taken care of their needs, if you will. He's commanded them in the way that they should conduct themselves in the promised land, meaning he gave them the laws and the Ten Commandments. He says, here's the way you're going to live. And it's not only the Ten Commandments. Remember, he says, here's how you treat slaves, and here's how you uh, take care of property, and here's how you go to a law with one another, okay? And he's talked about administrating, if you will, the promised land. He's talked about all that. Well, now he deals with the leadership that they are to follow to successfully go in the land. When I was in seminary one day, I, I uh, walked in to talk to one of my professors. He was on the phone, so I didn't have anything to do but to kind of look around, and I guess I was kind of nosy. And I looked down on a pile of uh, homework that had been turned in, and he had asked his class to take and to give the chain of command or the organizational chart of the local church. And uh, I looked down at it, and every one of them had, because I leafed through it, because I thought maybe the first guy got it wrong, and I said, no, the second guy did too, the third guy. And uh, they had it, Jesus Christ, Pastor Deacon's Church. And uh, I waited for him to get off the phone, and I said, uh, uh, Professor, you know, and I called his name, and I, I pointed at it, he goes, he goes, yeah, I know, they, they all got it wrong. <laughs> I was like, okay, because it's not. Uh, I don't know if you realize, but the organizational charge for the church is Jesus Christ is the foundation and the chief cornerstone. Then he gives authority to the church, and then the servants in the church are the pastors and the deacons. The Bible says, he that will be greatest among you, let him be your servant, if you will. And so you, never, you don't put a servant at the top of an organizational chart. You all understand that? And so my whole point is this, is who do we need to put first in our lives to make sure that we're living our lives right 
and even in that organizational chart, put God first. And so when he's talking about the leaders in chapter 24, he's going to talk about Moses and Aaron and her and the 70. And he's going to talk about all the people who ultimately he's going to give, if you will, stewardship and, and authority and responsibility in the nation of Israel. These are the people you're supposed to follow. And yet in chapter 23, he says, I'm going to send my angel before you. And that's what he's talking about there in verse 20. Uh, by the way, notice, if you will, is angel capitalized or not capitalized? And it's capitalized. And the reason for that is usually the, whenever they take and they'll take and capitalize angel, it's trying to tell you by the context that that's talking about the Lord himself. Okay, it's talking about the Lord himself is going to go and, and to lead them. All right. And so, if you will, uh, the next couple lessons, we're going to talk about following our leaders. Okay, and following our leaders and our first leader, of course, is the Lord himself. Look what the Bible says in, in verse 20. And the Bible says this. It says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. By the way, is, is he making it clear he's talking about himself here? Okay. And the Bible says, uh, But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak... Then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies, and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee, and bring thee into the, uh, unto the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Uh, thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them, and quite break down their images." And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Uh, by the way, what a promise. Amen? By the way, whenever you talk about giving somebody a, their ration of food, you talk about giving them their bread and their water. Amen? He's, how many of y'all think he wants us to live on bread and water? Now get a hold of this. Most of us, when we think of bread and water, that's what you give prisoners, you know? No, we're going to give you bread and water. No, it's, listen, he's talking about much more than that. Have you ever read the description of what manna was like? That was bread in the wilderness, amen? Tasted like honey. And I don't know about you, honey's one of the best tastes there is. Okay, anyhow, I'm excited about it. <laughs> the Bible says, uh, verse 26, it says, There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee. I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite and the Canite and the Hittite from before thee. And I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea even unto the Sea of the Philistines, and from the desert unto the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and thou shalt drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt uh, make no covenant with them nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to open your word. Just... Uh, uh, just uh, feed our souls, Lord. Give us strength. Help us to live right. Father, be with those who are apart from us. Lord, Lord those who are sick, I just pray that you administer to their bodies. Father, those who should be here, we just pray that you give them great conviction and a draw. And Father, we just pray that you bless everything for your glory and honor today. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, we're talking about the Lord himself. Go back to verse 20 there. And the Bible says uh, he's an angel, all right? Now, I will promise you in this portion of Scripture, and we're going to talk about this in, in Bible study this afternoon, it is very important for you sometimes to define your words. Because how many of y'all know what a, a, an angel is? I mean, think about it. Um, there's a, uh, the Greek word for angel is angelos. That makes sense, doesn't it? Angel, angelos, okay? And it means a messenger, one who is sent and, and is a messenger. And if you will, this is the Hebrew word malak or malak, okay? And that is a word that usually we translate as king, okay, or leader, right? So in a sense, when he says, I'm going to send my angel, he's literally talking about, he says, I'm going to send my king, your king, if you will, uh, if you will, my representative of me as leadership in your life, okay? And, and, and so think about this. You, you might say, well, he's just an angel, just somebody we're supposed to follow. No, he's your king. You, you remember what the problem was when they asked for a king? You remember? Uh, and he said, Samuel, it's not because they've rejected you. It's because they've rejected me from leading them. Think about this. Who was Israel's king? The reason they didn't need a king is they already had a king. You already understand that? They already had somebody to rule. They already had somebody to fight for them. They already had somebody to protect them. Amen. But they rejected him. And so he says, well, if you don't want me, I'll give you somebody else. Of course, uh, uh, go study it. He says, you're not going to like it. <laughs> okay? Because he's going to do this, this, and this, and this. Uh, so anyhow, if you will, when he talks about an angel here, he's literally talking about as a king. Now, God up to this point had been traveling with them, think about this, with a physical manifestation. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. He's, he's saying, I'm going to give you somebody to follow. Okay, you all understand that? So how had God been leading them? Because he's, he's kind of getting them up to speed here. Think about this. I mean, talk to me here. How had he been leading them up to this point? Moses, yes, but I mean, how had God himself been leading? There you go, with the, with the pillar of fire and with the pillar of a cloud, okay? And so during the nighttime, fire, during the daytime, a cloud, amen? And if you remember, even when he led them out of Egypt, you remember he led them through the Red Sea, okay? He, he led them to the one point, and then he went behind them to protect them whenever the army came to attack them, okay? And so they've already seen this physical manifestation of his angel, okay? His, his representative, his, if you will, his physical presence in their lives. Now, we have, we have something better than a physical presence. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Today, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the one who walks along beside you. You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You have the presence of God in your life. Amen. And so, if you will, we have it better today than they had it back then. But could you imagine, though? I mean, thinking about seeing that pillar of fire and that. And by the way, he would move and he would lead. And God made it very clear that was him. Let me show you that. Go to chapter 14. Keep your, keep your place here. But in Exodus chapter 14, you could look in Exodus chapter 13, but for sake of time, we'll just go to Exodus chapter 14. Look at verse 19. And the Bible says this. It says, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light uh, uh, by night to these, so that uh, the one came not near the other all night. And so, if you will, God is saying, I sent my angel, 
My angel is that pillar and that cloud, okay? And so we don't have to guess what he meant. He, he tells us what he meant, okay? And he says, my name's in that cloud. I, that's who I am. Listen to him. Follow him. Don't make him judge you, okay? Uh, and so if you will, uh, you know, he would eventually lead them with his Shekinah glory above the mercy seat. You remember they took and they, they built the tabernacle? And then they had the different rooms, and the, the most sacred of all rooms was the Holy of Holies, okay? And in it was the Ark of the Covenant. And anybody know what's on top of the Ark of the Covenant? Because to be quite honest with you, it's actually two pieces of furniture, okay? But you have the Ark of the Covenant and the, the mercy seat, which is the throne of God. You all understand that? that, that is the, it represents the throne of God. There's a crown put on the top of it just to make that point. And, and so, if you will, that is the dwelling place, and that's why we call what, what, uh, what they saw there the Shekinah glory of God. The word Shekinah literally means the dwelling glory. And so they could take and they could see and they could look, and whenever they saw the pillar of fire and the cloud, uh, they took and they realized that God was there, okay? God was giving a physical manifestation the, to the fact that he was there. They could take, and the Bible tells us later, and you can study it for yourself, but whenever he moved, they moved, okay? And so if the, if the pillar or the cloud moved, hey, we're not where God wants us to be. It was time to pick up camp and move wherever, the God, wherever God would lead them. Amen. And so we see that that is exactly what he's doing. And you can see that for yourself. Uh, I got a lot here, so if you want to see that for yourself, that's in Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 38. Now, I want you to go back to our text. I want you to see something here. What does it mean to follow God? And he gives us here definition. I, I'm going to ask this question to, to set up my point. What is the definition of death? Say it again. Sleep. Sleep. Okay, so that's one. Very good. Sleep. What's the definition of death? Sep separation. And so where did we learn that? Where? Well, Bible, yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. We learned it in Genesis. Because the day that thou shalt eat of it, thou shalt surely die. And they didn't die. But they did die. Okay? But what was the only thing that changed? Well, one of the things is they knew they were naked. You could, I could preach on that, and we could figure out what that means. Okay? I believe they lost their glory. Okay? They lost the glory that, they, that, that, that clothed them. Uh, I believe that, and you can study that for yourself. Uh, and then they realized that they were naked, and they hid themselves. By the way, they hid themselves from God. And then God said, you can't live here anymore. Why? Well, he didn't have to tell them that. They knew that. We, we can't be in your presence anymore. Why? We just, we're just ashamed of ourselves in your presence. God can't have sin in his presence. Amen. And so if you will, he said, I'm going to put a barrier here and you can't come in here anymore. Okay. Now, how many of you are glad that Jesus Christ made a way? So when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, I made a way back. I made a way back for you. Amen. Praise God for that. But the definition of death is separation, and the Bible never one time tells us that. It shows us that. Y'all understand that? We can learn the definition of death, because you can say it's sleeping, or it's when you stop breathing, or it's da-da-da-da. I mean, we could spend an hour defining death, could we not? 
And yet God says, let me tell you what death is. Death is separation, okay? Uh, physical death is when your soul is separated from your body. Spiritual death is when you're removed from the presence of God. Amen? Eternal death is when you spend eternity in hell where God isn't. Okay? And so, if you will, death is separation. Now, why do I say all that? Sometimes when God takes and he gives us things, have you ever heard a picture is worth a thousand words? And the reason for that is, is how long would this book be if it was like English? I don't know if you realize this, but English is a very descriptive language. And sometimes it takes a whole sentence to communicate what Greek can communicate in one word. Okay, that's, that's literally true. Okay, um, uh, And so, if you will, we, we see here that God is using a picture to teach us, if you will, what it means to follow him. Okay, so look at what it says in verse 21 now. In, in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 21, it says, beware of him. Now, I imagine that as you look at that, you'd say, beware of God? Let me ask this. Does that, does that bring up a positive or a negative connotation to your mind? Negative. Beware. Okay? It helps me to say it this way. Be aware of God. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not abusing that word, I promise you. It'll help you to understand by saying it that way. Be aware of God. Because the word, the, the Hebrew word for that literally means to be conscious of God. Be alert to God. Be watching God. Now, if we're supposed to follow his leadership, how many of y'all think we probably ought to know where he is? Now, it sounds silly to say that, okay? By the way, where was that Shekinah glory in relation, whenever they were camping, where was that Shekinah glory in relation to the camp? Does anybody know? Huh? Folks, Judah and two other tribes would be on the west over here to the east. Excuse me. I've got the east here. Okay. And then you had, uh, you had uh, all the other tribes. <laughs> Those are in other notes. Okay. But folks, the tabernacle was always in the center. Okay. Now, how many of y'all think that the Lord should be in the center of all your decisions? How many of y'all think when God is leading that the very first thing you should do is go, where's God? Okay. I would say this, uh, the best decisions you'll ever make in life is, should I take this job? And you should go, where's God? Should I buy this house? Where's God? Should I join this church or that church? Where's God? Amen? And so what he's talking about is being aware. If, if God is going to lead you, you got to know where God is. Anybody here ever guilty of going wherever you want to go and praying God will catch up? Am I the only one? No. I, I will promise you this, that um, God can't fulfill his promises the way he wants to by the end of the chapter if all the time you're expecting him to follow you. I, I, I guess I want to get real for just a second here, but have you ever bought a car without checking with God first? Have you ever bought a house without checking with God first? Have you ever done anything in your life without checking with God first and you knew you should have checked with God first? Can I ask how those things usually worked out? <laughs> We'd have a testimony service, couldn't we? 
So when the Bible says in chapter, in chapter 23 and verse 21, it says, beware, that literally means to pay careful attention to him. And that only comes by staying close to God, keeping your eyes on God. Uh, Brother Taylor talked about being in the, in the store and, and getting away from his dad and how fearful that was and how terrifying and everything. And how often does that happen to us when, when we just, we're not, we're not keeping our eyes on God. By the way, if you notice, his dad was keeping eyes and ears out for his son. Okay? And how many of y'all know this? God always knows where we are. He doesn't have to warn himself, you better not lose your kids. No, he knows where his children are. Uh, we are the ones that need to be aware of where God is. And so if God is going to lead, we need to make sure that we're aware. Then the next thing we need to obey is voice. Notice what it says again in verse 21. The Bible says, beware of him and obey his voice. Okay? You know what that means? That means you need to hear. Uh, any of y'all getting old like me, you have to do this. I said, any of y'all get old like... <laughs> You, you tune in. Uh, any any of your parents have ever had to do this to your child? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, and and so that's the whole whole thing. Be aware, okay, and obey his voice. Make sure you you understand him. You know, there's a couple ways of obeying God. Did Jonah obey God? Very, this right answer eventually. You know what? Jonah obeyed God, but can I tell you this? Jonah obeyed God grudgingly. How'd that work out for him? Have you read the fourth chapter of Jonah? It makes you wonder how his life ended, to be quite honest with you. Because he was angry with God. Because he gets rebuked, and then you hear nothing else about him. Okay? And my whole point is this. Did he do what God told him to do? Yeah, eventually, grudgingly. Amen? And how did he end his life? Well, it seemed to be bitter, angry. Come on, outside of fellowship. Come on now, amen? And so if you will, the Bible says obey. You know, I, I'd rather obey like Abraham. You know, it's interesting the thing about Abraham is Abraham never really completely obeyed. He never really did until God got him to the point where Abraham understood, if God tells me to do something, I'm doing exactly what he told me to do. You remember the very first command that, that he talked about Abraham? He took and he said, he says, leave your kindred and leave your house and go to a place that I will show you. And the problem is he left, he left but he took his father and he took his nephew. Is that what God told him to do? No. He said, you're going to have a child. All right. Yes. Yeah, Hagar, come here. <laughs> and so if you will, he, he lived by faith and he walked by faith. But every once in a while, a fear got a hold of him. And, he, and, he, and if you will, he, he obeyed kind of. Okay. Having said that, would to God we had a testimony like Abraham. Okay. Until it was really important. He says, take thy son, thine only son, Isaac and sacrifice him unto me for a burnt offering on Mount Moriah. And the Bible says he got up early in the morning, and he went. Okay? He didn't question. He didn't delay. He didn't try to help God. He finally understood, I'm just going to do what God told me to do. 
And I got to ask you a question. Is it hard to do what God tells you to do sometimes? And the only thing that keeps us from doing it, to be quite honest with you, is lack of faith. Abraham is called the father of the faithful. Amen? I mean, he is. He's called the father of the faithful. And, and yet, he had to learn to finally just do what God said. Does your flesh ever get in your way? Can I tell you this? Jonah had excellent reasons for not wanting to do what God told him to do. Excellent reasons. Why? Because he knew that ultimately God was going to use Assyria to destroy his people. And he said, God, if you could destroy them first, that would be awesome. Okay? And God said, no, go preach to them. I don't want to, Lord. Why? Because I know you. And you're a compassionate and a merciful God. And I just know you're going to forgive them. By the way, did you, I mean, you know that, right? And that's why he said, I'm, I'm, you told me to go here, I'm going to go over here. And God said, I told you. And I don't know about you, but I kind of would like to avoid the inside of a fish. <laughs> Amen? Because if God tells you to do something, please take this the right way, he's not going to change his mind. Amen? Beware of God. Obey his voice. And then the Bible says, he will not pardon your transgressions. See that in verse 21? He will not pardon your transgressions. I want you to think about this. You say, well, wait a minute. God forgives all our sins. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about leadership here. And so if you will, it means that he will not lift or remove the consequences of your rebellion against him. Uh, Jonah rebelled and he got inside a fish. <laughs> you all with me? And uh, by the way, you could take a whole message and talk about the consequences of that. But think about this. By grace, he does make payment for those transgressions. You know what he said? I'm not going to forgive your transgressions. Now, you need to think about the implications of that. You say, oh, no, we're hopeless. Oh, no. He said, I'll pay for them. I don't know about you, but I can follow anybody who's willing to sacrifice that much. The Bible says that God cast all our iniquity upon him. All our transgressions. Amen? And in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God says, I'm not, I'm not going to forget. Okay? So please take this right away. You say, oh, good, I, I can get away with it. No, no, you probably ought to remember that, that attitude of disobedience. The wages of sin is. And Jesus had to die for your sins, my sins, because of that rebellious heart. Please take this right away. How many of y'all think that, now God knew better, but how many of y'all think it would have been better for God to say, hey, Adam, just do what I tell you. And every time Adam ever did anything, he'd go, God, what do you want me to do? By the way, would that have helped Eve out? Yea, hath God said, hey, Lord, this guy over here is asking this question, if you really... Amen? And so it, just by being aware and obeying God's voice, then there would be no transgression. 
that need to be paid for. And yet, God loved us so much that he paid for it. And please take this the right way, but I'm guilty just like you. Every once in a while, I just don't want to do what God's telling me to do. Amen? And we ought to know then at that point, well, you just disobeyed and you just put one more slash on Jesus' back. Amen? We're thankful for the forgiveness, aren't we? But let's never forget that in our rebellion, we're just adding one more stroke to the Lord's stripes. And that's, that's true, okay? We see if we're going to take and following him, we're going to need to be aware of where he is. We need to obey his voice. We need to know that he will pardon our transgressions, but transgressions must be paid for. And then we also see this. Go to verse 22. We see that following him results in, in uh, number one, God fighting our enemies. I don't know about you, but if you'll listen to him and know where he is and follow his voice, he fights your enemies for you. Anybody here got any enemies? Let me ask you this one. Any of y'all tired? Discouraged? Let's be honest. If you're not discouraged now, have you ever been? Is that an enemy? Yeah. Yeah. And Bible says here, if you'll just be aware of me and obey my voice and, and, and you know, know that I'm, I'm going to, I'm paying attention to your transgressions. You know, if you'll do those things, I will defeat your enemies for you. Look what the Bible says in verse 22. The Bible says, but if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. You guys uh, remember a guy named Solomon? Is he a pretty smart fella? Pretty wise fella? Amen? And by the way, as long as he lived for the Lord, God was good to him. Blessed him amazingly. Some people believe that uh, Solomon very possibly could have been the richest human being of all history. It's very possible he could have been, just from all the gold that was given to him and stuff like that. And, um, and so he was blessed, but when he turned his back on God, the Bible says God uh, arose an enemy unto him. Rose two up, okay? Rose an enemy up. And so please take this the right way. If sometimes our life's fallen apart, you realize maybe it's God saying, you know, if you'd have listened to me. Now, I'm not trying to guilt anybody here because, listen, if you're aware, I think, I think you know the difference between, I don't know why I'm going through this, okay? And, and, if, and if that's the answer, well, God's preparing me for something. True? Or maybe God's trying to change my character for something. But have you ever had something happen to your life and your mind immediately goes, God's talking to me about this. I think some of you have heard my testimony about tithing. I was under conviction about tithing. I wasn't tithing. And uh, back when $140 was a lot of money, uh, any of y'all remember the early 80s, late 70s? Okay, that was a lot of money for a kid anyway. And uh, I, I went, and I think I was with Mindy. I can't remember. I wasn't with you. must have been with my mommy then. Okay. Uh, I went into the dressing room to change, and I came out to show my mom the pants I was wearing, and when I went back, my wallet was gone, $140 was missing. And immediately I said, 
Yes, Lord, I understand. Why? Because he had been dealing with me about tithing. And his whole point was, I want you to give it willingly as worship because you love me. Come on now. But when he took it, he was basically saying to me, it was clear as a bell in my mind as soon as it happened, I, I told you to tithe. Why, why does God want us to tithe, by the way, beyond worship and everything like that? I'm sorry? I heard something. Absolutely. And that you can live by faith. Meaning this, give him 10%, just to acknowledge, Lord, thank you for what you gave me. That's worship. But then, anybody who's ever, how many of y'all honestly can remember the first time you wrote tithe? <laughs> it was like, that's a lot of money. Listen, Here's the way I always equate it. You can drive a real nice car on tithe money until God takes it from you. You all understand? To teach you, you need to learn to trust me. That's the reason I, I don't need your money. You need to know. You need to know. You realize that when God gives us points of obedience, quite often, it's never for him. It's always for us, okay, why he would tell us to do these things, okay? And so you see, if you will, that uh, God will fight our enemies for us. By the way, the enemy is somebody who hates you or is hostile to you. And then he also talks about your adversaries. Look at verse 22. An adversary is somebody who resists you or attacks you. It's very interesting. He talks about that. And so, if you will, it's kind of an attitudinal thing. Some people just don't like you, and some people are trying to hurt you. You all understand that? And so he's saying, I'll take and I'll, and I'll make it so people like you. I don't know about you. I kind of like that one. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? People? I, I'll just give you this illustration. Um, I treat people with courtesy. Even if I lose my temper, I try to you know, keep it, you know what I'm talking about? And I try to treat people with courtesy and dignity. And you'll be amazed what people will do for you in a time of need if you just treat them with courtesy and dignity. You understand? I, I, I've walked into parts stores and, and somebody, you can see the guy down the thing screaming, well, you did that, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, can't help you, can't help you, can't help you. And that's about the time you whisper. <laughs> say, hey, man, I got a problem with this. And they say, ah, take it, you'll be all right. You know, and they just take care of you. All right. And, and I'm just telling you, it's amazing how God can make things work out when you're walking right with the Lord. And when you're not walking right with the Lord, you hit every traffic light. Okay, I don't have to go any further. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, and so if you will, it's amazing how, uh, uh, how he takes care of our enemies and our adversaries. And then God assures us of victory. Look at verse 23. We're going to run out of time here, but I'll go as fast as I can. The Bible says, verse 23, it says, For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee into, unto the Amorites and the Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Amen? Literally, cutting them off means to conceal or to cut down the enemy, meaning you're just going to eliminate them or cut them off, cut them down, enemy. You know, think about this. Enemies are kind of like weeds. They keep cropping up. Any of y'all getting ready to rototill your garden after the snow? Anybody got it in your plans? I mean, it's February. You got to start thinking about these things, right? 
So you can get your lettuce in and get your turnips in and all that stuff. Come on, one amen and I'll move on. <laughs> okay. But isn't it frustrating? You'll take and get that garden looking so nice. I mean, tilled up. And, and listen, there's, there's a few things in life better, but it's pretty good smelling that fresh tilled soil, isn't it? And you get your, and oh man, I can't wait for that stuff to grow. And, uh, and oh boy, that, it'll sprig up. And you're like, oh yes. And then the heat comes. And that Bermuda grass, you know what I'm talking about? Just springs up everywhere. And if you don't take and clip it, pretty soon it'll take over your garden. And I'll promise you this, if you don't tend to it, you're not getting any plants out of there because the weeds will just come back. It, wouldn't it be nice just to have the Lord take care of the weeds? Amen. And what he's saying here is this. He says, you follow me. You be aware of me. You, 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 you obey me. I'll defeat your enemies for you. I'll keep them clipped back. I'll keep them maintained. By the way, and if you read till the end of the book, till they're totally destroyed. And he's going to totally destroy them one day. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, I'm, 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 I'm running out of time, but uh, the Bible says he's going to defeat all our enemies, and the last enemy that's going to be defeated is death. The wages of sin is what? Think about that. He's saying all the wages of sin, done. Why? Because that's what, he's, that's what his goal is for us in our life. Now, does that mean that if you follow the Lord, everything is going to be perfect? No, he might be preparing you for something. He might be molding you for something. He might be trying to refine you and recreate you in his image. It's not going to be perfect, but he's talking about our enemies. Amen. And he says, just follow me. We're going to talk about faith here this morning in the morning message. But really, obedience comes down to trust me. It'll be good for you if you do. Amen. And he talks about this. Any of us and all of us struggle with this because we're human beings. Okay? But sometimes it's hard to totally annihilate the enemies in your life. You guys know what I'm talking about? Let me give you one illustration and, and, and I'll be done. But anybody who's ever been saved from an addiction, okay? If you're addicted to cigarettes, if you're addicted to drugs, if you were addicted to alcohol, if you were addicted to pornography, uh, name the addiction. I always warn people that if you don't keep that properly maintained at all times, it's going to spring up on you. And it will. And it'll devastate you because you're like, oh, God saved me from that. Yeah, but you didn't keep the weeds clipped. You see, sometimes we're just glad to have all that in our past, but the, but the Lord understands the devil never quits. And, and our enemies have to be totally defeated. I want you to think about how hard it had to have been for them to go into different towns, and God says, I want you to kill every man, every woman, and every child, and every beast. And the whole time, they're saying, well, these men, they're wicked, they're terrible. Ah! And the women, ah, oh, the pretty girls, let's keep those. And these boys, we can turn into slaves. And let's keep a few sheep for the sacrifice. Remember a guy named Saul did that? I've fully obeyed the Lord. And Samuel says, what then meaneth this bleating in my ears? Why do I still hear sheep? Folks, 
I told you to kill all of them. Well, the people wanted to sacrifice for you. And he says, because you won't obey, you can't be king anymore. Amen. And I'm going to raise up a king after mine own heart for when I tell him to do something, he'll do what I told him to do. Folks, when he's talking about leadership, the very first person we ever need to follow is God. And God makes it abundantly clear how he wants to be followed. And he's basically saying, you watch me do exactly what I tell you to do, even if you don't understand it sometimes. Amen. I'll defeat all your enemies. I'll take and I'll send hornets before them. Think about that. Meaning this, he's going to get all of them going, ah! Anybody ever been chased by hornets? <laughs> and by the way, the enemy's always easier to defeat when it's running. Amen. And then God also says this, and I'll be done. He says, I'm not going to do it in a day. Okay? I don't know, that's around verse 28 or so. He says, I'm not going to do it in a day. He says, because if I remove all the enemies at once, then the beasts are going to come in. And you're going to have problems with lions and, and stuff like that. Okay? And so he's saying, what we're going to do is we're going to take and we're going to occupy. And then we're going to get settled. And then we're going to occupy. And we're going to get settled until we fill the land. Well, what's the point? Folks, none of us are going to be perfect Christians overnight. But you know what you need to do? When God speaks to you in one area of your life, you need to say, yes, Lord, and follow in this area. And you're going to find, once that he establishes you there and you get settled, he's probably going to speak to you about this town over here. And by the way, isn't that the way they conquered the, the promised land? One town, one town, one town, one town, one town. Amen. Until, unfortunately... Uh, Joshua got old and they said well you can go to your settlements but guys don't stop fighting and the only problem is that's exactly what they did they stopped fighting and they never fully occupied the land and the people of the land came and troubled them so much so that God had to remove them from their promised land and I will tell you this that we as Christians today don't enjoy the blessed life that God wants us to have why because we've stopped fighting the battles God has led us to keep fighting. Would to God that we could learn how to follow our Lord. Uh, Exodus chapter 22 there is an excellent chapter 23 to take and to show us how to do that. We're done.